today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith Our fallen nature tends to put things in a negative perspective. So we tend to look at people. She didn't call me. There must be a reason she didn't call me. She didn't get back to me. Well, yeah, some friend she is. And before you know it, we've created a scene in our mind where we're going to tell them off. We're going to get back at them. And suddenly the call does come. Well, they had some crisis that they were in and they couldn't get back to you. Or they simply forgot. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Sweet revenge. If anything is farther from the truth, this would be it. While in the moment, revenge might give us a false sense of satisfaction, but it's a trap that doesn't let us move forward. In today's message, Pastor Ed makes this clear as we continue to look at David's continual choice to give revenge to God. David trusts God to right his wrongs for him. We can't trust ourselves because our own nature distorts our view. Trust God's timing, knowing He's looking out for you. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith And suddenly something happens in Saul. He begins to cry. And he says something that you find earlier when God said to him through Samuel that you had failed. He said, God has chosen someone more righteous than you, Saul. And he says to David in that moment, David, you are more righteous than me. He realized in David his successor. Listen to verses 17 to 20. This is the outcome. And he, Saul, said to David... You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. At that moment, David refused to drink from the wells of revenge. Revenge will poison your soul. Had David plunged the sword, severed his head, had David taken an opportunity at that moment, the Psalms would have dried up. The song would have been lost in his soul. See, God had David on that potter's wheel and God was molding and shaping and making and preparing him. Uh, God was teaching David, I'll take care of you, David. Trust in me, even though you don't understand the path. Trust in me. Well, David successfully faced that temptation. But that temptation was going to come back again. And David, this time, didn't fare so well. In chapter 25, 
David goes into the wilderness and Nabal, he was like one of the owners of a Fortune 500 company. Things were prosperous. He was a wealthy businessman in that community. And David sends his men to protect Nabal's herders and flocks. And now it's shearing season. And in shearing season, you often rewarded people around you that were friends, that were helpful to you. It's a time of rejoicing and generosity. Chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 14 to 16. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness. Ten men had come that David had sent. And he says, whatever you feel like giving us, give us. We we were there to protect you. And here's Nabal's servant who hears the whole conversation. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master. But he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us. And we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, the day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. Here David was treated scornfully. Nabal hurled insults at him. Now, Nabal wasn't trying to take David's life. But at this moment, David begins to falter. This temptation is very difficult for David. And there's a reason. And the reason is found in verse 1 of chapter 25. There had been a funeral. A trusted mentor. A great influence in David's life had just died. He was one of the great prayer warriors of the Old Testament. He was like a shield of prayer around David. Ever since the day that he anointed David as the new king and prophesied over him, one day he would have the throne. He would pray for him, and David received counsel for him. And now, David uh, lost this mentor. David moves south geographically at this point, but he also moves south spiritually at this point. And he's still mourning the loss of a close friend. Look at the temptation, verse 21 of chapter 25. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness. Nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. You helped that person get the job. You help them with their resume. You help them get into the office. And now they've turned against you. A knife in your back is how they've repaid you. You were the one. When they were down, you lifted them up. And when they didn't even know it, you gave them some money and helped them along the way. You were the person who saw that they were a loner. And you brought them into the crowd. You helped them connect with some friends. And now they snub you. They won't even talk to you. 
They look the other way when you come. How do you respond? What do you do? The call came. She was so distraught. She was from another church. And between the sobs, she told me the story. She said, my husband and I have been having real difficulties in our marriage. And she said, I was just at home so discouraged. And the repairman came to work on the furnace in the home and the air conditioning unit. And she said, I fell into adultery. I hadn't planned it, hadn't thought about it. But in that moment of weakness, for the first time in my life, I ever got involved with someone who wasn't my husband. And she said, the weight and the guilt of that was so great. I went and I told my very best friend in church. And when I told her and unburdened my heart, I felt better for the moment. But what happened was she went to church and told everyone in the church. It went like wildfire in our large congregation I was so embarrassed to walk in that church. I didn't know if I'd ever go back to church again. Now she had enough dirt on her friend that she could have thrown back a lot of mud because her friend wasn't innocent either. And her marriage was on the rocks as well. But she didn't. She wouldn't. What would have you done? How would you have responded How do you respond when you've acted in a noble way, a kind way, a generous way, and you've done the right thing, and you simply helped a hurting brother or sister, and they've repaid evil for good? Watch what God does for David. He sends... And Abigail. He sends a wise woman to meet David. In fact, it's Nabal's wife. I mean, she's married to a hard hearted, brute type of individual. And marriages in those days were all arranged. And watch what happens in verses 32 to 33. She restrains him, she tells him, Don't take it out on him. He's just a brute. He's just hard-headed. He's a fool like his name. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for the goods, your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out revenge with my own hands. God loved David, and he sent a wise person to speak to him. It can be a spouse who speaks to you when you're ready to explode, when you're ready to take matters into your own hands. It can be some good Christian, some other believer, or simply God speaks to you through someone and they don't even know they're speaking to your situation. But you know, you know, it's a word from the Lord to your heart. 
What's the outcome? David listens when God places someone with wise counsel and a restraining hand. David was sensitive enough to God that he recognized God at that moment speaking to him, keeping him on the straight and the narrow path, keeping him from taking matters in his own hand and doing it his way rather than God's way. Here's the outcome. God's going to show himself strong in David's behalf. In verses 37 to 39, in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife, that's Abigail, tells him what had happened. David was going to destroy them. He was coming with his army of men to wipe out Nabal's men. Wife told him what happened. As a result, he had a stroke. And he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord who's avenged the insult I received from Nabal. And he has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. David reflects on many occasions like this in his life. In Psalm 139, when he says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O Lord, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. There were times that perhaps you were going to take matters into your own hand. And God just said, stop. Maybe it was a red light, maybe a scripture passage, maybe a person that stood in the way and said, wait. And you allowed God to be God. And you allowed him to move in your behalf. Put the plan of your life, the future of all your days in his hands. Don't take it into your own hands and try and work it out in your own wisdom. You've been wronged at the office, maybe wronged in the church, maybe wronged in your home. Simply put it in the hands of God. Listen to Longfellow's words. Though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceeding small. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. God is keeping the books. He has the record. If you'll trust him, he'll right the wrongs. Now David is going to be tempted once again. Now how would you feel if you were kind to someone, went the second mile, third mile, Saul had tried to kill him with a spear. Saul was seeking him in those caves. And God delivered Saul into David's hand and David spared his life. We might say to someone, once, twice, three times, you're out. Your history. Well, Saul once again is stirred up in his heart by some reports about David, maybe his counselors, maybe his own envious heart. See, we have a fallen nature. Our fallen nature tends to put things in a negative perspective. So we tend to look at people. She didn't call me. There must be a reason she didn't call me. She didn't get back to me. Well, yeah, some friend she is. And before you know it, we've created a scene in our mind where... We're going to tell them off. 
We're going to get back at them. And suddenly the call does come. Well, they had some crisis that they were in and they couldn't get back to you. Or they simply forgot. But that fallen nature that's a part of the human race tends to look at things in a negative framework. There, Saul is giving place to the accuser of the brethren who's camping out in his heart, who's determining his footsteps. And you can see the third wilderness temptation, verses 7 to 8, the temptation. So David and Abishai went right to Saul's camp. David had spied out Saul's coming after me. He said, I'm going to go to the enemy. And so he goes right to Saul's camp. And here's a text. He went right into Saul's camp, found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground. With one thrust of the spear, I won't need to strike twice. Why in the world did David risk his life and the life of Abishai to go into Saul's camp? It was in circles. The outer circles represented all of the guards, all of the elite force of Saul. And Saul right in the center, there in the center, the spear of the king. The water jug of the king. God put a sound sleep on them. David had a mission in mind. He was going to prove that he was not out for Saul's life. Habeshiah didn't understand that. Habeshiah was going to learn something of the heart of this great king. They got to the center. There's the spear. The spear of the king. The same spear that flew by David's head that missed him by a hair, that could have severed his head from his body. The same spear that again and again Saul threw at David to take his life. Habeshiah knows David's sensitive heart. He says, David, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll do it for you. One thrust and he is history. He's out of here. He lifts up the spear and then he feels the arm the hand of David holding him back. No, no. What are we here for, David? Not for that. Not for that. David had learned something in chapter 25 that God has his timetable and he was going to trust God's timetable and not take matters into his own hand. Listen to verses 9 to 11. No, David said, Don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in the battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one who he has anointed. But take a spear and jug of water beside his head, and let's get out of here. He simply keeps his men from doing what's wrong. If I could just take an aside for a moment, a bypath. I'm tired of hearing of politicians who use their cronies to say things that they're really saying. Oh, well, it's an underling who's saying that. Well, they represent the organization. I'm tired of hearing all the disrespect for political leaders, whether Republicans or Democrats. 
God puts those people in positions. Now, I may disagree with it. I may feel strongly about it. But I don't want to get caught up in this culture. I want to be caught up in the Spirit and walk the walk that God calls believers to walk with. To simply leave things in God's hands, to speak up, but in a respectful way. David takes and escapes the camp, and he says, Saul, yells out to him, I have your spear, I have your water jug. Abner, why didn't you protect the king? And at that moment, Saul says something that he had said once before, but I think when Saul said it before, in Samuel's presence, he said it just to get Samuel off his back, just to go and have Samuel make an offering with him, to save face among the people. He said, I've sinned. This time, in a moment, somehow when he meets the grace of God through David, he says, I have sinned. And then he says, David, come back with me. Forgiveness does not always mean there's a restoration in relationships. It doesn't mean that abused spouse goes back into that marriage or home. It doesn't mean that pastor who has failed morally is let back into that pulpit. It doesn't mean those relationships that were once there are suddenly there again. There is a cost to sin. There is a cost to doing what is wrong. David wisely goes his own way. David would not allow revenge to creep into his heart and mind and soul and reopen the wounds of the past. Some people never move forward because they live in past memories of hurt and wrongs and disappointments. They're stuck in a previous chapter. They're bound and reliving the wounds of the past. David is going to simply move forward with God. We don't have to live in those past hurts and wounds. We could move forward with God. Don't try to get even. Give it to the Lord. He's keeping an account. Mother had taken her daughter to the park and talking to her friends, and she heard her daughter growling, barking. And there her daughter was looking at a dog, barking at it and growling. And her mother said, stop that. Don't behave like that. Mommy, he started it. It was a bulldog. <laughs> Don't make the mistake of lowering yourself. Don't make the mistake of trying to even the score. You'll never get ahead. God says, that's his job. Don't do it for him. 
We hope you've been blessed by Dr. Edward Jones' study on the life of David and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others around you by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to the Home page. That's all the time we have for today. But join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed shares more from the captivating life of David. Your word restores.